Brother Darren, that mic work okay tonight? As far as you know. The voice, yeah, mine especially. Uh, we uh, we had a casualty this week. Uh, we we had to we had to bury our old microphone, and uh, praise the Lord, we got another one tonight. James five, James five, verses seven through twelve. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Verse 8, be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. That's last time. Okay. Behold, verse 11, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and tender mercy. Verse 12. But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help our minds and our hearts tonight as we look at this exciting subject. Lord, we talk tonight, Lord, as we prayed for families who had loved ones pass on to heaven just in the last few hours. Lord, how real heaven is to them now. Lord, tonight as we talk about heaven, as we talk about waiting for your coming, Lord, as we look to that glorious return, Lord, it is that thing that you told the church at Thessalonica to comfort one another with these words. Lord, it is the comfort we need tonight, it is the encouragement we need tonight. Lord, it is the reminder that we need tonight from your word as we look here this evening. Lord, I pray you'd help us, uh, Lord, as we desire Lord, you to work in our hearts and our minds. Uh, Lord, bless us now as we look together. In your precious name we pray. Amen. It is a significant fact, a very real fact, that every book in the New Testament, every passage, every, every portion of Scripture throughout the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation, in some portion of that Scripture, that book, that letter, there is a reference, there is a reminder of the fact that the Lord is coming again, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, for example, in the Gospels, uh, we have the recorded promises. We have parables in the Gospels. We have predictions in the Gospels. Not predictions of day, but predictions that the Lord said he's coming again. Uh, in the book of Acts and in all of Paul's letters, uh, we see a reminder over and over each of the churches a reminder that Christ is coming again. Uh, the only one of the letters we don't is Philemon, that letter that was written uh, to a man who had gotten saved, a runaway slave, and a letter of recommendation to bring him back, not as a slave, but as a brother. Uh, and in James tonight, uh, as we see in our study, also in Peter, uh, also in John, also in First, uh, Second, and Third John, we, we in Revelation. We see a reminder of the Lord coming again. 
And I want to I want us to see some things in the passage here we looked at, and there's some rich stuff. There's a lot of stuff here. Uh, I want to see some points tonight about this waiting for the Lord's return. And the number one tonight, the Lord is most certainly coming back. It's very plain. You can't read the book of James. You can't look at James chapter 5 and come away with any other conclusion than Jesus is coming back. Uh, we see there in verse 7 and 8, Be patient, therefore, brethren, of the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. These are emphatic statements. They're uh, absolutes. Jesus is coming again. Uh, now, there are many who do not live with this thought and this reality before them. But can I tell you tonight that Jesus Christ uh, is most certainly, uh, without a doubt, uh, he is coming again. On Monday, uh, early in the morning, we threw Lizzie out on the curb outside the airport and kicked her out of the car. And I uh, know she flew out to go back to college. And uh, I was talking to her today. She is most certainly planning on coming back in May. And more certain than Lizzie's coming back in May, Jesus Christ is coming back. He is coming again. It's not a, oh, I wonder, I hope. No, he, he most certainly is coming again. Uh, now, why is it then, if Jesus is most certainly coming back, why is it that there are so many people that believe wrong teaching? Why is it so many people doubt? Why is it so many people don't believe? Number one, because there is a lot of wrong teaching. Well, the Bible speaks about that in the book of Matthew, chapter 15. Uh, many are in error because of error uh, that has been taught, that has been propagated, false truth, false religion. Uh, and they are deprived of that blessed hope. Praise God tonight, I've got a blessed hope. I've got a blessed hope. When I... Well, Miss Lois messaged me and told me her sister passed away. Brother Maude messaged me. Uh, Brother Darrell mentioned his adopted mom tonight. All three times I thought to myself, well, I'm sure glad that Jesus is coming again. Praise God for heaven. I'm, I see very plainly in Scripture we are reminded that the Lord is, he's coming back. And that is our blessed hope. Titus talks about that. And, and how horrible would it be if we took or kept back that blessed hope from the world. What a shame when false teaching, false religion, uh, false doctrine tries to steal that blessed hope and keep that from believers. Uh, and I'm glad tonight that we, we have that blessed hope. It's ours. And we know he's coming again. We know it's a, it's a definite. It's not a question. Uh, and we can live each day in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again no question about it he is coming again number two i said the lord is most definitely most certainly coming back number two tonight his coming or Jesus' coming will be sudden it will be unannounced and it is imminent in other words brother jim he's not going to call you up and say hey just so you know i'm coming back tomorrow now that's what we think. And I'm gonna, I'll, I'll know a few months, a few days, a few hours before. I remember 
back in 2000, I believe it was the winter of 2005, my first winter here. The 2000, it was either the uh, 2005 or 2006, uh, either end of the year or first of 2006 in the winter. I was driving over here by Nelson Lumber. I went around behind Nelson Lumber and I took a curve going back to the community where I lived when we first came to Canada. And I stopped, dead stopped. And I looked in the sky to the east, and I saw something I'd never seen before. I got a show Colton uh, about a month ago. It was the most brilliant sun dogs I've ever seen. Most of you know what I'm talking about. Sun's right here, and then giant rainbow or another sun looks like on either side. I'd never seen that before. I didn't know what it was. And I, I confess that I stopped, and Brother Jim, I thought, well... That's the east. That must be the eastern gate. Lord must be coming back. I got out of my car. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Now, I, I wasn't very, thinking very doctrinally there. Uh, I'm not going to watch it slowly unfold. Rather, it is going to be instantaneous. Uh, it is not going to be announced, and there is nothing that has to take place beforehand. There are many that have tried to set dates and say, oh, no, the Lord can't come back until... You know, the fifth toe on the left foot uh, does this or, you know, until this happens or this country or this thing. But can I tell you, there's absolutely nothing in Scripture that has to happen. The first century church, they truly believed when they, when they saw Jesus ascending, the angels said, this same Jesus that you've seen will so come again. They fully believed Jesus might come before they died. As well, they should have believed. Because there was nothing that would stop or would keep that from being a reality. In verse 9, it says, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. This whole atmosphere of this passage in James suggests that it is sudden. It's not something that we're going to expect. Rather, it is sudden. Uh, the Lord's going to come suddenly. There's a warning from Jesus himself in Matthew 24. Let's turn there quickly, if you will. Hold your place. We'll come back to James in a moment. But let's look at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 and verse 44. Matthew 24, verse 44. Therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. First. Uh, look, if you will, at verse 43. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known of what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have supported his house to be broken up. Can I tell you that if you found out, and Brother Dries found out tonight, his house was going to be robbed at 2 a.m. in the morning. Now, probably he's going to call the police at 1.30. Actually, you better call him right now to give him time to get there. Uh, he's either going to make sure he's got somebody there or he's going to not be there. He's going to get everything out of his house because he knows when the thief's coming. But did you know thieves don't arrange appointments with you? How many of you remember the first time, maybe it's never happened to you, but uh, how many of you the first time you ever had a vehicle broken into? Remember that? I remember the first time I had a vehicle broken into and I got in the car and I was like, I was so angry. I was like, and then, not only was I angry, but then I felt sorry for the stupid thief because they tried to steal the car, 
they peeled the column. It was an old 90-something Pontiac Grand Am. And Brother Ahmad, they were incompetent thieves. I need to teach lessons to, to teach thieves to be better thieves. I didn't even use my key to start the car, Brother Jim. I reached down and pushed the lever, uh, the bar to start it. And they were so dumb, they didn't even start it. Praise God for dumb thieves. Uh, they sold another car that night because they couldn't figure out how to start mine. But they didn't call me and say, hey, they didn't knock on my door. Uh, Hello, Mr. Rice. Just so you know, I'm going to break into your car tonight. Thought I'd let you know that. They didn't do that. It just happened. It just happened. And can I tell you, the return of the Lord is just going to happen. It's going to happen. There's no question about it. Matthew chapter 25, over a page, if you're close there still, verse 13, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. I, I think it's pretty obvious uh, we, could, we could look at the book of Thessalonians. Uh, we could look at Acts chapter 1. Uh, let's look back at our text passage. And let's look at verse 8 of James 5. And ye also, be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. I saw, I saw a thing a guy wrote the other day that said, I stood there and I wondered why the Frisbee kept getting bigger, and then it hit me. Now, the Lord is drawing nigh. His coming is drawing nigh. And it's closer today than it was yesterday. It's closer today than it was in the days of the New Testament. Uh, it's closer now than it was five minutes ago. It, it, it's drawing nigh. Uh, it's coming close. Look at Second Peter. If you're there in James 5, just a couple of pages away. In Second Peter chapter 3. In verse number 8, and we'll also look at verse 9. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now, what is this verse, what is this teaching bundled with? We see it bundled with verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then we find verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The Lord tells us that, you know, his timeline doesn't work like our timeline. You know, if you have a little kid, and that little kid says, uh, when are we going to do something? You say in 10 minutes. Brother Royce, I have a feeling you've dealt with this before. And uh, in about 2.5 seconds, Grayson says, Daddy, how long is it now? And then 3.7 seconds later, how much longer now? And then a minute later, how much longer now? Uh, their, their time is a little different than our time. Now, God's time, the Bible says that one day, it's like a thousand years. A thousand years is like one day. And it tells us there in verse 10, the day of the Lord's coming, his timing, although it's not our timing, his timing is going to come. And it is imminent. Uh, Hebrews, let's look there real quick. Hebrews chapter 10. So much scripture here. I'm skipping a bunch, but I want you to see a few things here with me tonight. And I know we're looking at some things that most of us say, Pastor, I know that. But I want us to be reminded. I want us to see it in scripture I want us to know why we believe what we believe. I don't want you just to believe what you hear. I want you to know what the Bible says. 
Because it doesn't matter what a preacher says. It doesn't matter what a church says. It matters what God says. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense and reward, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Verse 37, For yet a little while. For yet a little while. And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. The Lord says, hey, just wait a little bit. Just a little while. How long is that, Pastor? I don't know. If you ask Grayson how long is Royce's little while, he'd say it's eternity. It's forever. When Daddy says in a little while, he means you know, 100,000 years from now because it seems like that to him. Sometimes we look at God and say, God, it's not a little while. It's all just a little while. Just a little while. Just a little while and I'm coming. And that's a, that's a wonderful encouragement. Number three tonight, the eminence of his coming should, should have a profound impact and influence on your life. It should affect your life. My wife and daughters went away. the daughters. I guess I only got one daughter at home right now. But uh, I remember several years ago, Carrie and the girls went to the States to visit, and I was, I was home alone. And how many of you can imagine the house when Pastor Rice is home alone is not as clean as the house when Carrie is home? Can, can you get that mental picture in your, in your minds a little bit? And I realized, though, Carrie's coming home. And I, man, I cleaned like I have never cleaned before. I mean, I vacuumed, I dusted, uh, I cleaned toilets, I cleaned sinks. Uh, man, I even washed dishes. Uh, that's serious. I, I really cleaned uh, because I knew Mama's coming home. Now, we know he's coming back. That ought to affect our life. The fact that at any moment, at any moment the Lord might come, ought to affect every aspect of our life. Go there in 2 Peter. Let's turn over to 1 John chapter 3. And let's look at verses 2 and 3. And then we'll turn back to our text in a moment. 1 John 3, verse 2 and 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And verse 3 tells us, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Now, that hope, what hope? The hope that Jesus is coming back. Because of that hope, because of that reality, it ought to affect every aspect of our life. Uh, as we, if we look back in our text, in the book of James in chapter 5, we see in verse 9, it should cause us to watch our thoughts. It should cause us to watch our thoughts in verse 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren. Now, grumbling is an outward. Grumbling is... 
How many have ever grumbled before? How many of you have grumbled today? Yeah, me too. Uh, grumbling is an outward. But grudging is where it starts in the heart before it comes out the mouth. And the Bible tells us to grudge not. It is an attitude of the heart. Uh, we're not to have aught against our brother, those thoughts, those wrong thoughts. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. Because he knows. Uh, he sees. We had a Boston Terrier when I was growing up. We had a, a Boston Terrier named Rex. And uh, then we had another one named Ralph. Actually, his official name on the AKC you know, paperwork was uh, Prince Ralph, no, King Ralph of Southside. Uh, but he liked to chew up tennis balls. Now, he liked to chase tennis balls. He, he'd chase them, he'd, and he was a maniac. You could, you could grab the tennis ball in his mouth, and his jaw was so strong, you could pick him up off the ground, and you'd have a dog swinging. But every once in a while, every once in a while, when he was home alone, in his mind, something would snap. And he would decide that he was going to see exactly how many pieces he could tear up a tennis ball into. I don't know what he, his final number was. It was somewhere in the billions. But he'd chew all the fuzz off and it'd be scattered. And he'd chew the rubber up in little teeny bits. And we'd walk in the house. And you'd see the little bits of tennis ball throughout the house. Now, normally, when we got to the house, he's prancing. Little stub tail, just, just wagging. Little pug face, just back and forth. He's all excited. The toenail was on the floor, making all kinds of noise. If we ever got to the door and didn't hear that, you knew. Something was wrong. Open the door. There's the trail. It looked like a tennis ball had C4 explosive inside of it and it was set off by a rocket propelled grenade uh, everywhere. And, and he'd be hiding. He'd have his head down. He'd have his paws over his nose. He'd be quivering and shaking because he knew he did something he wasn't supposed to do. You know why? He knew we were coming home. Well, it's a real shame that that dog, now he was an intelligent dog, but he was a dog. A dumb animal, if you will, had more sense than a lot of us do as Christians. Because the Lord's coming back, we ought to watch our thoughts. Number two, we ought to watch our words. Look at verse 12 in James 5. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Number two, watch your words. Watch your words. Why? The Bible says one day every idle word, every idle word, not just our conversations or the great works that we do, but every little idle word. And we need to watch our words. We need to be careful with our words. Today I wore a t-shirt here this morning in the office and as I was sitting in the office, I looked and I saw I had a paint. I had paint on it. You see the paint on me this morning, and I realized last week as we were preparing for uh, 
our conference, I was out in the hallway touching up and cutting in the paint around all the corners, and I thought I was careful, Brother Mon. I thought I was really careful, but I wasn't careful enough. We need to be careful about our words. Sometimes we're not careful enough. Sometimes we say things we ought not say. Sometimes we allow ourselves to use words we ought not use. Now, most of the time they start with our thoughts, but we've also got to guard not only our thoughts, but our words. And hold your place here. Look at 1 John 2.28. That's a powerful verse to remind us of this as well. Kind of a wonderful, wonderful verse to tie together these thoughts here in, in the book of James. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him in his coming. That we not be ashamed. Number three, the eminence of his coming should have a profound influence in our lives. If it does, I said we'll watch our thoughts, we'll watch our words. Number three, we'll watch our actions. We'll watch our actions. Look, if you will, at that verse again there in 1 John chapter 2. It says that we would not be ashamed. That our behavior wouldn't dishonor the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you remember when you were younger and you were doing something you knew you shouldn't do and you didn't think mom knew? Maybe you didn't think dad was there. And all of a sudden, you locked eyes with mom or dad, and you felt a little bit like Peter when, you, when Peter denied the Lord. And you realize, uh-oh, they know what I've been doing. They know how I've been dishonoring them. They know the action that I thought was hidden that is bringing dishonor to them now. They see that. When our Lord comes back, we don't want to bring dishonor to him. We don't want to dishonor him by our actions. And I've got to hurry tonight. Number four, the next point there on the screen tonight, the one who is coming is our Savior, but he's also our judge. He's our Savior, but he's also our judge. Verse 9 tells us there in, in chapter 5, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge, the judge, stand at the door. By the way, you're not the judge. I'm not the judge. But he is the judge. He is the judge. We've got to be clear about that. Number one, as sad as this reality is, it's truth, and we need to face it. He's going to judge the lost. Understand there is going to come a day like it came for those in Noah's day, there came a time when God shut the door of the ark. And they came, hey, hey! But the door didn't open. As hard as they wanted to hit that ark, as hard as they beat on it and cried out, God did not open the door. God gave them an opportunity. And there came a point when the door was shut. Can I tell you when our Lord returns, that door is shut. And the great judge of the world, the judge of the universe, is going to judge those who've rejected him, those who've rejected the Christ of Calvary, those who've rejected Revelation 20, verse 10. Look there with me. We'll see that quickly tonight. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 10 through 15. 
and the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Can I tell you that is a reality. It's not a comfortable reality, but it's a reality. It is the truth that when he comes, he is not only the Savior, but he's also the judge. But number two, he's the judge of the saved. Say, Pastor, hold on a minute. I'm not going to be at the great white throne judgment. This passage speaks of those whose names are not found written in the last book of life. I, I, I trusted him. I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand, Christians will never stand at that great white throne, but we will. We will be judged. The Bible speaks about a place called the judgment seat or the Bema seat. A place where we will be receive reward and suffer loss. Receive reward and suffer loss. We see that in John chapter 5, verse 24, Romans 8, 21, uh, Romans 14, verse 10, 1 Corinthians. Let's look at 1 Corinthians there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest. This is speaking of the judgment, the, the judgment seat. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Verse 14, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. And then verse 15, but if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. The fact is, the one who's coming is our judge. Now, we want to judge one another. We want to set in judgment over decisions people make. We want to set in judgment over actions. We want to set in judgment over words that are said. We want to set in judgment over life decisions. We want to set in judgment over relationships and all kinds of areas of life. But there is one who is the judge. And he's coming. Our Savior and our judge. As we temper and sober the reality with that blessed hope, he's coming again. Number five, it'll help us. It'll help us to live in the light of his coming. 
if we study the biblical record of God's dealing with his people. And I love this thought tonight. I don't want you to miss this. We ought to be living in light of his coming. Uh, Pastor uh, Wilkerson, their church there, First Baptist of Hammond, their theme, their church theme for the year is uh, with heaven in view, I think, eternity in view. And in a very real way, that should be our life every day, eternity in view and the fact that he's coming again in view. And as we think about that, how, how, can, we, how can we do a better job of that? How, how can we better keep that vision? How can we better have that focus? Look, if you will, at verse 10 and verse 11 in our text. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord. Notice this, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of a tender mercy. What's God say? God tells us that he has, all the way in the past, he has worked with men and women in regards to his will, in regards to his word, in regards to his promise. And as, and as he has done so, we can look at the record, at the example of how God dealt with men, whether God kept his word or not. By the way, if you go to get a job somewhere, oftentimes they want references. And the boss-to-be will call the references. And they'll ask a question, something like, Hey, uh, when Ahmad worked for you, did he show up for work? And they'll know he was lazy, useless, good for nothing. Right, Mitra? That's what he would say. Uh, they'd say, did, 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 he, did he do the work you asked him to do? Did he, uh, did he complete duties? Did he? They'll ask all kinds of questions. Why? Because they want to know what they're getting into. They want to find out if he skipped work every Friday or if he, uh, if he was late to work every day or if he didn't do his job. They, they don't want that. Now, can I tell you that we can look back and we can look at God's record? He never failed. Yeah, but I, I don't know if I trust him. Oh, you can trust him. I, I think he'll let me down. No, he's not going to let you down. As we, we're reminded of the, of the Old Testament prophets, as we're reminded of all the things that God has done, God says, you can trust me. You, you can believe. You can know that what I said is true. You can know uh, that I'm going to keep my word. And as we see that promise, it helps us. It helps us to live in the light of knowing that what God said is true. That his words we can depend on, we can trust them. Look again at verse 11 in our text. Verse 11, behold, we count them happy which endure. You've heard of the patience of Job. You've seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of a tender mercy. As we study the biblical record, as we trace God's dealings with his people, it gives us two things. Two things God gives us. Look in verses 7 and 8 with me, and we'll look again at verse 10 and 11. It says in verse 7 and 8 in our text, Be patient, therefore, 
brethren unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain, verse 8, and be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Now skip down to verse 10. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, of patience. Behold, verse 11, we count them happy which endure. You've heard of the patience, and we see that word over and over again here, of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Number one, we get patience. We get patience. We learn to wait on the Lord. We get frustrated easily with the Lord. We're like Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha are over their sick brother, over, their, over his deathbed, and they're like, oh, man, Jesus has to come. And they bury their brother. And they're angry. They're bitter. Jesus didn't come. He doesn't love us. If he had come, he'd be okay. Three days later, Jesus shows up. And they didn't hold back. They were bitter. They were angry at Jesus. Like, if you'd been here, our brother wouldn't have died. I'm sure Jesus was heartbroken. Why? Because he loved Lazarus. He loved Mary. And he loved Martha. He loved them with a love greater than they could understand. And yet they struck out at him. Jesus came right on time. Now, he didn't come on their time. He came on his time. I'll share a quick story with you. We had a fellow this week message me. He was driving, doesn't live in Edmonton, lives outside, quite a ways from town. And he had to drive to the airport. And then he stopped for breakfast. And then he drove through the city. Didn't need to drive through the city. Not a, not a quick route. He just drove through the city. And Sunday morning as he was driving through the city, he drove past our building. He saw our sign, saw people coming into church. and He went down to 118th and turned around and came back and parked and came in our building and came to church. Had a wonderful chat with him this week about an experience and what God's doing in his heart. Now, that trip... <laughs> The way that all came about, that wasn't planned by him or by me or by you. But God planned it. God planned it. Can I tell you that when we learn to trust God, when we learn to just have patience, to know that what God does is good, we, we, we want to we control God. We want to, you know, you have to do this, you have to do this. We get frustrated. And I'm guilty. We, we, get, we, we want things to happen now. We pray, Lord, I prayed about this already. God, why aren't you doing it? Uh, God, I, I prayed 30 seconds ago. You should have already fixed this problem by now. I, I know. I, and I say that because that's the way I think sometimes. And I don't say that out loud because it sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? But I think that way. I act that way sometimes. Because I don't have patience. Can I tell you why we don't have patience with God? We don't trust him. We don't trust him. If we have food on the counter in our kitchen, and I go into the living room, 
and I see my dog, Yeti. I see him get up out of the living room, Brother Ma, and start walking down the hallway towards the kitchen. I don't trust him. I don't let that happen. Hey, get back here. You know why? Because Yeti's the same height as our cabinets. He doesn't have to jump up on the cabinets. He just walks up, puts his head down, starts eating like a cow. I mean, he, he's a horse. I know that I can't trust him to go in the kitchen with food on the counter. Why? Because he has the same amount of willpower I do, Brother Gerald. Uh, he's not going to go in there and go, probably shouldn't do that. The same way when I open the refrigerator at 12 at night, I don't go, yeah, probably, nah, might as well. Uh, we have the same willpower. We share the same willpower. Sometimes he has more than me. So I don't trust him. I got to make sure, what are you doing? Where are you going? Get out of there. I'm afraid a lot of times we follow God around. We don't trust him. We believe him, but we don't trust that he's going to do what is, is best because we think what's best is what we want. It's a struggle that I have. It's a struggle we all have as we look to the Old Testament, as we look over and over with God dealing with his people, we become more patient, more patient with the Lord. Look at verse 8 again. Be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Not only patience, but endurance. Endurance. Notice that verse there again. Be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10? First Corinthians chapter 10, we'll look at verse 11. Verse 11 in our text here in 1 Corinthians 10. Now all of these things happened unto them for examples or examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. In other words... We see these things that happen for examples. Why do they happen? As an example for us, as an admonition for us, as a help for us. And in a conclusion tonight, we should turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. The book of 1 Peter in chapter 5 and verse 10 through 11. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Notice this phrase. We don't like this phrase. After ye have suffered a while. Can I tell you, I'd like to remove that verse. I'd like to fix it up. Maybe after ye've rested for a while. That sounds better, doesn't it? I, I got a, one of those these crazy Fitbits after Christmas. and January was the first month that I, I've worn it a whole month. So this morning, Brother Mott, I found out what my sleep animal is. How many of you know what your sleep animal is? Am I the only one of the whole? Man, I know. According to this stupid device, Jeff, my, my sleep animal is a, what was it? It's a, a parrot, a parrot. 
I think I'm more like a pirate, but you know, it's a parrot. Uh, it talks about uh, you know, how I rest and how I don't need a lot of sleep and I survive without a lot of sleep, all that kind of stuff. It talks about uh, being a parrot. I never, knew, I never knew they knew that about parrots. I don't, no one ever asked them. But as we think about this verse, you know, we, we want to rest. We want to take it at ease. But the Bible says after you've suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Verse 11, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Endurance. You see, he is coming again. There's no question about it. And there's nothing preventing him. There's nothing that has to happen first. It's going to happen. He's coming immediately. But we see that God wants us to be patient. And he wants us to endure. It may be that we endure great persecution before the Lord returns. I don't know. We had Brother Odessina with us last week. Brother Odessina has been pastoring in Nigeria for years and years and years. He's 80 years old. I asked him the other day how many churches he had started. Did you, do you remember when he answered I want to say it was double digits in his life. Starting a new one now, I think. Nigeria. I learned this from Jim Price. I believe it was Jim Price or maybe it was Willis Yanko, one of us. No, it was Jim. Jim Price and I were talking the other day. We found out. Brother Mott, I was shocked by this. The greatest number of persecuted Christians in the world the greatest number of martyrs for Christ in the world right now, every day, happens in Nigeria. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yep. Every day, Nigeria. Now, we, we're so far removed from that. You know, we, we read statistics like that. We think about dear brother Odessa and his wife and the sweet people that they minister to and and every time I hear a prayer request from Brother Destiny, he always asks for peace and for safety for his congregation. And we think, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm not there. Man, I'm glad we have it easy. Man, I'm glad nobody, the, the Gestapo is not outside looking for me. That doesn't mean it won't be. You know, we, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know that we're going to keep the peace that we have now. But if we don't, we can endure. We can have the patience that he's coming again. We can have the endurance. Why? Because verse 11. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Because it's all about him. It's not about us. And he is coming again. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that we would very, very much focus on the fact that you're coming again. Lord, I pray that we would realize that we should live with eternity in view. Lord, we should temper every decision of our life. Lord, our thoughts, our words, our actions. 
God, would you forgive us for shaming you by our life so many times, by our thoughts so often, by our words. Lord, may we live looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, I pray tonight that we would have the patience. Lord, so often we're not patient because we don't trust you. We're not patient because we think you're not going to do what we want. God, would you forgive me for failing in that area? God, help us to trust you. Help us to wait knowing that your will is perfect. And Lord, would you help us to endure? Lord, we praise you for the freedoms that we enjoy. Lord, we don't know here in our country what real persecution is like they do in Nigeria, like Christians do in other parts of the world, the Middle East and other places. But, oh, God, we may someday. But, God, help us to endure. Help us to trust you. Lord, I pray you bless us tonight. Lord, would you work in us and through us, and would you point us to Christ? Would you point us to the imminent return of the Lord? And may we make every decision of life as we look through the filter of you coming again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us even though we don't deserve it. In your precious name we pray.